Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. When a child I loved you so that I've spoken of for a while now that I want to do kind of a lesson series on life, death, and immortality. Well, I know that I didn't go exactly in order, and we looked at immortality, and then we've also looked at, at life last week, and so it would stand to reason that we would look at death today, kind of our relationship to it, kind of what it means, what it is, what it isn't, th those types of things. However, what I found myself doing is I wasn't done talking about life yet. I want us to still look at life, this life that God has given us really since the beginning of time. I mean, whenever you look at it, the book of Genesis going back all the way to the very beginning, that's the importance of God breathing life into Adam, breathing life into mankind. Now, God has done that since the beginning of time. God has set up so many things for us to give us life. Going to the book of, of Psalms that was read at the very beginning of this, this video, Psalm 1 speaks about this way that we have, this choice that we have. We can choose the path of life or we can choose the other path. The choice has always been ours. That we'll focus on even a little bit more whenever we get to death and what it is and our relationship and things like that. But when we look at Psalm 1, we are given this choice. The choice that God obviously wants us to choose is the path of the righteous. The way of the righteous, the way of the righteous that is full of life because God is there. We see that the person who is righteous, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, that's, that's one of the descriptions that's given right there. That person, verse 3, is like a tree that is planted by streams of water. That is an image of life, of a constant source of life, that tree by the streams of water. And the reason for that is because God is the one who gives us life. And if we are going to be constantly in his word, we are going to be constantly people of life. Well, 
Last week, we looked at John's gospel, especially, and I still want us to look at, at John's writings. This time, it's going to be mainly in the book of 1 John, and we're going to see kind of the words of God that produce life, as described by 1 John. But before we kind of uh, get into it, and we're, we're going to start at the beginning of John and kind of work our way through the book, uh, before we get there, I want to share one verse that appears almost at the very end of John's gospel. And that is 1 John 5.13. Listen to this. He tells us why he wrote the book. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, this is very similar as to why John wrote his gospel, but it's also why he wrote this book of 1 John. And it is connected to knowing Jesus as the Son of God, and it's connected to having eternal life. In fact, this passage, it says that you can know that you have eternal life. Now, that's very interesting to me, and it's been pointed out uh, many years ago that the Bible tells us that, look, you can know that you have eternal life. Sometimes it kind of saddens me whenever Christians are like, well, I don't know if I have eternal life or not. You know, I kind of hope so, but I just, I don't really know. Uh, no, the Bible tells us you can know, you may know that you have eternal life. So what does it mean to have eternal life, and how do you know those things? Well, 1 John, I believe answers that question pretty well. Let's take a look beginning at the first chapter. We're actually going to start not just in the first chapter, but also the first verse. So 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. Let's take a look at the, this section of scripture right here. This is how he begins. By the way, it's similar to his gospel as well. I, I love the beginning of, of how John writes. Uh, let's get into it together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and with his son, Jesus Christ, we write this to make our joy complete. So as he begins right here, he speaks about this that we proclaim. What is it that we are called to proclaim? We're called to proclaim the same message that they were proclaiming, that, that the early church was proclaiming. And here in verse 1, we see this we proclaim concerning the word of life. See, John was an eyewitness of these things that we read about as were so many of those who, who wrote books in the New Testament, we know that their testimony is true. What they are proclaiming is this word of life. Now, I love, of course, the connection that John starts off his gospel. In the beginning was the word. And verse 14, that word became flesh, became a human being, and made his dwelling among us. The way he starts this letter is talking about this word of life. Now, yes, that, that is a reference to the Bible and the words of God that produce life, but it's also very much a testimony about Jesus Christ himself. Verse 2, it goes into greater detail, speaking about this life. The life appeared. What is the life that he's talking about? Well, it all has to do with this proclamation of eternal life, and notice that it all has to do with what the Father has done through his Son, with his Son. All of this is connected to life itself. 
Now, just like last week, yes, we're going to see the same thing carried out in this uh, in this letter as well, that our life is connected with Jesus Christ. Our life is connected with God, our Heavenly Father. Our life is also, I would say, connected to the Bible, because that is the word that we can have this life. Because, not because it's something special about the whole black and white paper or anything like that, it's the message. It's the message that comes from God that can produce life in us. So 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, speak about this word of life, this life that appeared. But that's not all that he has to say about life. If we look at the next chapter, in 1 John chapter 2, notice verses 15 through 17. We are told, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, I might as well have just called this lesson eternal life, right? Well, that's what it kind of is, is connected with. And you might notice that, yes, I've been speaking about life and immortality, and those two are connected because immortality is just kind of a constant life. And right here, what we see is this life that is connected with being able to live forever. Now, verse 17, it says that whoever does the will of God lives forever. How do we find out about the will of God? I would suggest to you that that's already been answered in the previous verse about this word of life. The word of life that comes to us. It is the word of God. The word of God that has been given to us that produces life in us if we follow it. Because in these words that we have, in, in this Bible that we have, we have God's will communicated to us in a way that we can understand. So if we will open it up and if we will read it and if we will do the will of God, then we can live forever. You can know that you have eternal life. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me ask you. Are you doing the will of God? If you are, that's what he says right here, that we can live forever if we're doing the will of God. If you skip on down a few more verses, though, he still is talking about life. In verses 24 and 25, he says, As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you always will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. Notice that this has been a promise from our Heavenly Father is eternal life. We can have life. We can have this eternal life because this is part of the promise that has come to us through Jesus Christ, his son, through what Jesus has done for us by sacrificing his life so that we can have life. This is what he's promised us. He's promised to give us eternal life. If you like it, the beloved John three sixteen speaks about how great the love of God is, that the love of the father is so much that what did he do? He sent his son so that we can have eternal life. Now, of course, that means that we have to believe. And of course, that means that we have to obey. Isn't that what we just saw a few verses earlier? That whoever does the will of the Father has eternal life. Well, he's promised us eternal life. To those of us who are doing the will of our Heavenly Father, for those of us who are following what God has revealed to each and every single one of us, but John is not done right here. And by the way, now I'm going to skip over um, chapter 3. Although, in all honesty, there's probably a few different passages that I could bring out from chapter 3 that speak about love. But let's go to the next chapter, chapter 4. And in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, 
we we read this this uh, lovely passage right here. And and by the way, you might even want to kind of uh, throw in verse uh, eleven too. Um, so First John chapter four verses nine. Uh, I'll go through verse eleven. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, I like that verse 11 because it kind of ties it in and tells us, okay, because of this love that God has had for us, what does that mean about us? Well, it means that we also need to be able to love one another, doesn't it? So this passage, it speaks about Jesus, once again, coming Jesus being sent into the world, why was he sent into the world? That we might live through him. Our life is found in Jesus. Everything about our life. Not just eternal life as we kind of think of. You know, so sometimes I, it kind of um, kind of saddens me a little bit to, to hear Christians speak so much about eternal life in the future. Because if all that we ever do is just look toward the future and think about eternal life and how great it will be then, we can forget to live right here, right now, and to get busy doing the things of God right here and right now. Because the way that actually John kind of writes about life is that our eternal life has already begun. Now, it's already begun in this life because, guess what? If we are followers of God, then we can have life through him. Yes, it's true that we might die physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, we never have to fear that. We can know that we have eternal life. I know I've kind of quoted that a few different times, but it's, it's true. And we're going to also look at that passage once again. But here we see the same idea that is being uh, described in uh, John 3.16 about Jesus being sent into the world. What was the purpose? That we might have life through him. God has always wanted us to have life. I mean, that's why God created everything around us to begin with. He created everything around us. He breathed breath into Adam. He breathed life into Adam. He breathed life into Eve as well. And they became living creatures. They became humanity. God has always wanted us to have life. And it's also, as this passage shows, it's connected with this love of God, isn't it? This love of God that he sent his son to atone for our sins, to help us out, to do something that we are incapable of doing. We can't atone for our own sins, but he is an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we can have life through him. A few verses later in verses 13 through 16 now, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. Good question, isn't it? You know, th this is another great thing that if you sort of want to know, okay, well, how do we know that that we live in him and, and he in us. And how do we know this connection? Well, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the spirit has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now we see the connection between Life and love being so closely connected right here. If you want to know, how can, how can we be for sure that we live in God and that God lives in us? Well, we know that because he's given us of his spirit. 
And we see that that spirit working through the church since the early pages of the book of Acts and continuing on even to the present time, that the spirit is still among the church. The spirit is still doing amazing things. We also find in verse 15 right here that if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. That's another the way that we know. We see this connection between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see the connection about God living in us and us living in God. Do you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God? Have you confessed that? Have you said that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, I like to point out to you know many Christians that uh, oftentimes we, we have a habit of taking someone's confession uh, of faith, that Jesus is the Son of God, or something along those lines. We have a habit of, of taking that confession of faith right before somebody is baptized. But I would like you to think about this. If you are an adult and um, you have children now, did your children hear you make that confession? Uh, maybe with some of you, yes. But with many of you, I would say they probably weren't there whenever you were baptized. So they probably didn't hear you proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God right then. Have they heard it since then? Have you said that since then? Because, see, confession, I believe, is something that we don't need to just say, oh, well, we just, we've done that once and we're good. No, no, no. Confession is something we need to constantly acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is our life. Because if we will openly confess that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in us and we live in God. That's what this passage is speaking of. We can know that we can have this life. We can know that because of God's involvement with us and our involvement with God as well. Which now we come to the final chapter of 1 John. I know that it's a pretty short book and I would recommend if you uh, haven't done so uh, recently that you might want to just sit down and just read it. It's only five chapters long. It doesn't take too long to read the entire book and there's even more stuff about life in it and other things uh, more than what we've just covered in this in our brief time together. But 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 13, we read, Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's that passage again. So that you may know that you have eternal life. We can know that we have eternal life. And what is this connected with? Knowing that we have eternal life, it's connected with us doing the will of God. It's connected with us acknowledging Jesus as the Son of God, as the, the Savior of the world, the one who is our life and has given us life. We also see that this, in verse 11, is the testimony as well, that God has given us eternal life. Well, how does he, how does he give us eternal life? This life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. That's what verse 12 says. So if you want life, it all has to do with being connected through Jesus Christ, through following the way that Jesus Christ has asked each and every single one of us to follow. God has already done quite literally everything that he possibly could to give us life. Now it is our job to follow that way that leads to life, that leads to eternal life. Our Father has always desired life of us, and he still desires it from us even today. 
And I, I don't want to go away uh, without reading uh, one final verse from 1 John. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 20, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Once again, another wonderful statement of faith right here, a beautiful statement of faith about the Son of God right here, about Jesus Christ. He is the true God. He is eternal life. Our hope is in Jesus. Our faith is in Jesus. Our life is in Jesus. Let's make sure that we follow this way of life every day of this life and of the next one. See you.